What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. All righty, folks, it is time for another full slate preview. NFL Week 6 is upon us. It is the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Podcast. Danny Burke, your host, I appreciate you being with us, and we always appreciate Mike Palm being with us to dish out some of his analysis and top plays for the entire slate of games on Sunday at Mike Palm Circa, where you can follow him on Twitter, as for myself, at Danny Burke 5 So Mike and I will be going through every single game. We'll go over our favorite teasers. We'll go over Survivor, even though Mike warned me, but uh, I got eliminated back in Trevor Lawrence and the Jacks. We'll still dish out uh, which teams we think would be the best for Survivor and an update on the Survivor contest at Circa. And then naturally our best bets and included Prop Watch, my top props in another episode here on the feed. So a bunch to cover. But Mike, uh, why don't we do a quick recap of uh, NFL Week 5 for you? I know you ended up 2-1 and one here on the podcast. You've been crushing it this season so far. Uh, did you add any additional plays after the show? Because if, for anybody who doesn't know, Mike and I record this on Thursday. So a lot of things can alter uh, by the time kickoff actually goes through. So uh, how did you make out? And uh, yeah, how are we feeling heading into this week, my man? Well... You know, I, I warned you to stay away from the Packers, <laughs> and I fell into the trap. When the Giants tied the game up, I bet the Packers in game. Mm. And then with the, the the Giants in the lead and the Packers with the ball with under two minutes to go or two minutes to go, 
then I hedged my bet by taking the Giants minus six and a half. So I get to lose both bets because of the safety. Oh. It was just a disaster. I, I added uh, a straight play on the Browns plus two and a half in that game. Mm. Uh, so it, it wound up. I mean, we could talk about that game for an hour, all the, the nonsense that happened with on both sides of the ball, going for it on fourth down, not running the ball on the final drive, missing the field goal. But it ended up, you know, it's, it's amazing how many times that two and two and a half comes into play in the NFL. Yeah, it's really seeming like it's been more and more common. And honestly, and not just because of that, this is just me. I mean, you know, like sometimes I'll lay a little bit more uh, for the money line so I don't have to deal with those bad beats. For example, I took Ravens money line for Sunday night and, you know, that one fell uh, within it too. And it just seemed like in a divisional game like that, that could be kind of grosser with two coaches who like to be aggressive except for you know Harbaugh on the one play if he would have been aggressive then they probably would have covered but yeah that nonsense has kind of been happening but uh you did you teased up the brown zone one of your uh teasers that you cashed in on correct yes I did I like yeah. the Browns in that spot I thought the Browns it should have been a pick them or the Browns a slight favorite the game played out pretty evenly the Browns got ahead yeah. they charged dominated the second quarter so it's tough. The NFL is so tough. It's a really a great product that all these games are so competitive. Very, very true. Well, let's hope for a competitive slate this week. And honestly, Mike, you know, when you and I talk, I usually have a handful of games that I'm ready to get involved with. But this one, it's it's seeming to be slim pickings for myself. I'm not sure how you're feeling, but we might as well get things kicked off with Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. Because this is one of the games that may end up as a bet, but right now I'm teetering. I'm not sure which side I'm going to fall on, if I'm going to do it or not. But Tampa Bay opened up about six in the hook. And they've gone up to as high as nine, but consensus seems to be about eight out in your neck of the woods. Total at about 44 and a half at the opener, now is dipped down to 44. The bet that has stood out to me would be to bet this under in this game, Mike. You have a Pittsburgh offense that is still developing with Kenny Pickett now as your quarterback going up against a good Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a great Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And conversely, Mike, I mean, Tampa Bay offensively, even when they got their weapons back last week against a vulnerable Falcons defense, yeah, they scored, what, 21 points, but you would have figured that was their get-right spot to where you'd have a vintage Brady game where they'd score 30-plus points, but they really just didn't have it. This offense is just sloppy and really not as dominant as we've seen on a consistent basis. So going on the road uh, against the Steelers' defense that can't show up, I just feel like this is going to be lower scoring and kind of an ugly Buccaneers win at the end of the day. But yeah, I just feel like under might be my favorite play in this spot. I can't argue with you, uh, Danny. This Steelers team is pretty bad. I don't like my bet. I don't like uh, I don't like my my uh, over eight and a half plus two dollar bet here. They they haven't picked up enough games, and they're getting progressively worse. That was really ugly in Buffalo, uh, fourteen. And if you laid it, you didn't have much of a sweat. Now I do think the Bills' offense played awfully well, and they made plays in that game. The Bucks do sort of sputter, and they don't strike quick. When they do score, it's they meander their way down the field uh, and didn't do much in the second half against Atlanta at home. You might have convinced me to look at this 44. You can find 44 out there on this total. I think the Bucks, though, will be a very popular team in teasers and in the, and in a money line. I consider putting them in a teaser here, uh, you know, teasing, teasing them, depending on who the other team is, either teasing them down to two or teasing them down to one. Yeah, there really weren't that 
many appetizing teaser spots either. I mean, I know there's several, but at least when I'm looking at it, I don't have the most conviction with it. But again, maybe I can have you convince me on some of them. But yeah, Tampa Bay, despite being on the road, would probably be a viable spot for that. And yeah, we'll see what happens where this total moves. Because if it does hit 43 and a half, then I'm really not going to have any interest. But I still think at 44, it could be a worthy option to look at the under in that game. Again, that one in Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Buccaneers. Uh, Mike, we move along. This is another spot where immediately when I looked at the lines, I was like, oh, okay, this one seems like it could be a good bet. But it also has the makings potentially as like a trap line almost. And I know there's not really such thing as like a trap line, but maybe more like a trap game. And it's New Orleans hosting Cincinnati. The Bengals seem like the right side here, Mike. It opened pick. You've seen it go up to Cincinnati minus two. Uh, total opened about 44 in the hook. This total now down to actually 43. I thought the opener would be a little bit higher, like 46 or something like that. But I guess if you're putting faith in Cincinnati's defense and you you understand what you've seen out of the Saints offense for a majority of this season, it could be a lower scoring affair. I feel like Cincinnati's the right team here, Mike. But again, New Orleans is so hard to figure out that I could see them sneaking one out here at home against the Bengals. Uh, where should I be leaning here? You tell me. Well... Let's start with the total. Is When you play the Seahawks, is it just an anomaly that you're going to be in a 70-point game every week? Uh, is it? Right. I, Detroit didn't come close to scoring really in New England, but put up mid-30s on Seattle. Uh, Seattle seems to, to, with Geno Smith, move the ball the last few weeks. So as far as the total, uh, you have to look at it that way because I pretty much feel these Saints are an under team, yet last week the game flew over. I'm concerned about the psych of the Bengals, specifically the offensive line, Danny. You're the defending AFC champs in a black and blue division. You have first and goal with four minutes to go down six, and you never even think about running the football. Oh, that was ridiculous. I keep thinking about that Jeff Saturday, Peyton Manning video where Saturday's yelling at Peyton, we need to run the ball, and he's telling him, block the plays that I call. Mm -hmm. How do you feel as an offensive line? They they run a pass, a a return. Ridiculous gadget play and pass, pass, and don't score there. Um, it's a Zach Taylor question. special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous. You have to question that. that you think that you can't run the ball four times with Joe Mixon and get two yards. Um, so I lean heavily Bengals, but that concerns me. I would have rather they ran the ball and got stuffed there coming off of that loss than what happened to them. So I, I still might end up using the Bengals, but as of this point, it's a no play for me. It's pretty much the same sentiment that I have. I mean, talent-wise, and just based on what you've seen from the past season and a half, Cincinnati should be the right play in this game. But ultimately, you can't trust Zach Taylor. And I feel like some people, and, and rightfully so, you had to give him props on that Super Bowl run. But a lot of people like to say it was an incredibly fluky run. And I get why it's hard to call it fluky, because if you make it to the Super Bowl, you got to get some recognition. And, and look, there is a bunch of recognition going toward the Bengals. But I still, despite them making it there, just did not have much faith in Zach Taylor because he does ridiculous things like he did in that goal line situation. Yeah, you have a guy like Joe Mixon. Why the hell are you not handing it off? It, I could go on and on like you've said about other games, but it's just so idiotic what some of these coaches do. It's kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid. And that same can apply for just handing the damn ball off to Joe Mixon at the goal line. So <laughs> you and I are uh, even on this one. Bengals seem like the right side, but we haven't gotten there yet. So uh, we'll see where this 
where this market ends. Do you think this is probably going to trend closer toward the Saints as we get to kickoff? Where do you think this line ends up? No, I think if anything, it ends up two, two and a half. I don't think you'll get to a field goal. You're not going to get people laying, a, laying three with the Bengals. So uh, I would predict that it ends up two. All right, Mike, let's talk about this divisional matchup next. They're playing their second game early on here. That's Indy hosting Jacksonville. And, yes, I've got a bone to pick with Jacksonville using them in Survivor. And, I mean, you want to talk about a boneheaded play, Mike. Trevor Lawrence on second and one in the red zone. Throwing that interception was one of the worst picks I've seen in quite some time. He could have easily ran it for the first down. He could have thrown it away. Instead, he throws it, tries to rifle it between two defenders, and it's picked off. And that really screwed them the rest of the game. And I was just losing my mind at how bad of an interception that is. If they end up losing the game, so be it. But the fact that that bad of a play occurred, it just drove me bonkers. But look, Jacksonville was becoming the darling team. And, well, now they're an underdog here. And uh, the Colts, as ugly as they've looked, they're laying two in the hook in this spot. I guess consensus is about two, and then the consensus total is 42. As gross as this one may seem, the Colts seem like they're in a good kind of revenge spot for splitting a division game, so to speak. Total, I'd want to bet the under, Mike, but 42 is a little bit too low for my liking. I like the Jaguars here. Dan. Oh, okay. I don't mind laying the laying, or taking two here. I think it's... A, it's it, it, it's a tease play as well to go through the three and the seven. Look, they dominated the game when they played in Florida from the get-go. The Colts were shut out. What have the Colts done since that's impressed you? Were you impressed with that game in Denver on Thursday night? I mean, the only way you could argue the Colts here is, I guess, with the extra rest from playing on the Thursday night game. But Matt Ryan still looks like he belongs in Jurassic Park. I'm not impressed. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and Russell Wilson... Who who is that? That's that's in Russell Wilson's, uh, you know, heavier body. I don't know who it is, but uh, the Colts have done nothing to sway me. I would take Jacksonville here, um, plus two. Would you consider teasing them up just to be a little safe, or you think you're fine with the plus two there? I probably won't even take plus two. I'll probably either take the money line, uh, yeah. Danny, or take him take them up to, to eight or nine, depending on who the other team is. Fair enough. All right, Mike, let's talk Patriots and Browns next. Uh, Cleveland open three in the hook in this spot. Total open 41 in the hook. Now we see the total at 43 in consensus spread. Cleveland down to two and a half. Uh, another game where I would think this would be lower scoring, two, offense that, uh, two offenses that love to run the ball primarily. And even if you think... Well, and this may be one that I need to do a little bit more research on just to see. But, you know, full game total 43, I'd still lean under. But maybe the first half under would be a better angle here because you know the run offense is going to be dominant in the first half. That's going to be their main source of offense. And then whichever team is trailing or just to generate points in general, they'll probably rely more on the pass in the second half. And that's maybe where you'll get more points. But, yeah, maybe something with the first half under. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson has been a great back for New England. I think Mac Jones' status is still up in the air as far as I've seen it. And, again, Cleveland, when he got Chubb, he got Kareem Hunt. Yeah, you let those guys work what they can do in the first half and try to get some momentum. So uh, I would lean toward the under. I'll double-check and see what this first half total is. I don't really have any thoughts on the spread here. I mean, Cleveland's kind of tempting now that they're under three. This is a spot they probably should win. But there's a lot of times we say that about Cleveland, Mike, and they don't come through. 
Here's the way I look at this game, Danny. Chargers were two-point favorites what they closed in Cleveland. The Browns are two-and-a-half-point favorite in the same venue against the Patriots. You mean to tell me that on a neutral field, the Chargers are only laying four-and-a-half to the Patriots? I don't think so, which tells me that either last week's line was wrong or this line is short. It's one of the two. So either I would play Browns here or I would consider your first-half play because I think both of these teams will look to run on the first two downs if they make any kind of yardage on first down. They're going to come back second six, second seven, second five. They're going to continue to run the football here. I agree with you there. I think this is a game of shorter possessions. Uh, and in the first half, although people try to score at the end of the first half, you don't have anybody in a mode where they're now, you know, go- going to a hurry up offense or going with four wide receivers because they're down two scores. So I think it's a, I think it's a close game. I think it'll be an interesting competitive game, but I lean Brown this year. Yeah, this one might be a game that I kind of revisit and get tempted to look at, like you said, the short line here with Cleveland. Because, again, this should be a spot that the Browns should win. They have enough talent, and you've seen Jacoby Brissett display that he can throw the ball when he needs to. But you're still going against Belichick. You're going up against a Patriots defense that can come alive from time to time. So I don't know. (laughs) This one's really tricky. The market going against Cleveland uh, is a little... It's like causes me a little bit of trepidation, but yeah, I might revisit that one and look at the first half total. By the way, 21 in the hook is the number, Mike. So if you're getting the hook, it could be worth it to play the under. Um, and then, yeah, maybe lane two in the hook on Cleveland with the spread here. I'm, I'm looking up, so I'm looking up red zone scoring percentage by the opponents, by the way, if you're looking for that first half under. So when you're looking at, let's see, Cleveland... Um, if okay, so Cleveland, their opponents getting a touchdown in the red zone about 58% of the time, not necessarily ideal, but not terrible. And then New England's at about 56%. So they're kind of in the middle of the pack compared to the rest of the league. If that kid that made the 58 yard field goal in Carolina on week one makes that field goal against the Chargers, how is this game two and a half? If the Browns, right to me, the, the, the line is artificially low. And does it like, is there that much of a big difference for you? Who's playing quarterback with the Patriots? Is, is it really going to impact you personally, your line that you would have it? I think Zappi's look okay. I think, I think he's actually right now to me, a, a safer bet than, than Jones. Um, you have to respect what they did in, in Green Bay. I mean, they led that game. I think Green Bay got lucky, a yeah. little bit lucky to get back in the game, but then you know, the, the way LaFleur handled the end of the game probably could have lost in overtime. And then last week, I mean, are, are the Lions that bad? That was a horrific, horrific game. That might have been the worst performance of a team this year. Mm-hmm. What were they doing? And down three scores, they just ran and ran. And then on third down, Goff would spin around and turn the ball over. It was really ugly. I mean, the, Patri- the Lions made the Patriots look like a playoff team last week. So I don't know. They've had two good outings uh, with Zappy, and the kid threw for a million yards in college. So it's an interesting. It's an interesting dynamic that he gives them. Yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> I I do like that angle with Cleveland, though. Oh, I might have to go back that. I'm gonna hold off for now, but uh, we'll see if anything gets added with that game, Mike. Uh, all right, we got to talk about the Packers here. One of the more disappointing teams this NFL season. I feel like we can say that about the cheeseheads right now mike uh their open or their opening number i guess was anywhere from about like eight and a half to nine in favor of green bay 
That has dropped now to seven and a half as they are hosting the New York Jets who are coming off, I guess, what you would call an impressive win if you call it going against what Skylar Thompson is his name, the third string quarterback for the Dolphins. So totals at 45, it opened 44. We have seen teams, even though it's in a smaller sample size this year, but even in the past, when they come back from playing internationally, the defenses kind of take a slide. And Green Bay's defense has been really underwhelming to say the least at this point. They were pegged as potentially being one of the best defenses coming into this year, Mike, and they just have been an utter disappointment. And I'm not saying the Jets are going to tear them apart, but I get the idea of this total ticking up a little bit. It makes sense to look toward the Packers to kind of bounce back once everybody's down on them and everybody's given a little bit of hype toward the Jets. I wouldn't lay the seven and a half. And even if you're getting seven at minus a buck 20, I wouldn't touch it, Mike. But for the third week in a row, because I've done it the last two, if I were to play the Packers, I think you'd have to tease them down in this game. They chose not to take the bye after London, which is interesting here. Um, I don't really want to be involved in the Packers right now either way. I don't know about this team. I, I, I can't understand why were they playing so far off the receivers of the Giants. What were they, why were they so afraid of Daniel Jones beating them over the top? It was ridiculous in the second half, and he just kept going to the no intercepted sense. routes and underneath, and they, they had no chance of getting him off the field in the last quarter and a half of that game. It's disgusting. I, I don't know what they were doing. Uh, I really don't know. Who do you think is going to win in the North? Do you think it's going to be the Vikings, or would you, if you had to make a bet, would you bet the Packers or the Vikings? I'd absolutely bet the Vikings, Mike. And that was my thought process coming into this season. Not that I had like that much conviction with Minnesota. I I do well, so I bet Minnesota over eight and a half wins. That was probably my favorite uh preseason football bet. And I bet O'Connell coach of the year, he's probably not gonna get there at this point. I mean, Dable's got the top spot right now, it seems, and uh, even Sirianni, we'll see what he can get up there. But the reason that I did that is the same kind of sentiment everybody had with Green Bay, and that's that this offense would take a while to get acclimated with new receivers, new relationships. And I assumed the Vikings would be a lot better. And it was mostly too, Mike. I mean, it was like, if you're giving me these prices now, which Minnesota, I think, was around like plus 250, plus 270, I would absolutely take that over laying almost $2 with that Packers team. That was also the large part of it. But now that we have seen five weeks worth of sample sizes from both teams and a win on the side of Minnesota, how would you not lean toward the Vikings right now, right? Well, two words, Kirk Cousins. But uh, <laughs> I, in the first half, the Packers really did what they wanted offensively. Right? They ran the ball effectively, play action. And then the second half, we took a tremendous amount of action on Packers' second half here at Circus. So it was a great start to mm -hmm. our morning. Because uh, all those bets blew. I just, I don't know. And the Jets, I mean, the Jets' last 65 minutes of play has been terrific. They rallied to beat the Steelers. And then, I, I know quarterback, but they still dominated the Dolphins in that game. And people, I, I mean, Paul Howard's talking that the Jets could be a playoff team. Uh, it's interesting. He, he, he bet them over five and a half wins. He thinks they're going over six and a half. So, I don't know. I want no part. I probably won't even in play this game. I want no part of it. I, I just I don't feel comfortable that I have a good read on either team, and 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 I don't know that there's not something. I know Rogers' relationships with his uh, receivers and and other people on the team have not always been the best, and then you know more about he can't stand this locker room talk of losing and all this nonsense. So uh, I'm 
I might be a pass on the Packers here for a few more weeks as well, Dan. What's your, uh, I guess, how are you analyzing Matt LaFleur at this point? You can't dispute the record, but there's just, I mean, when it comes to adjustments, it doesn't seem like there really is any out of him. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers. You should be able to maintain such a big lead against a Daniel Jones-led team. And we've seen them have these stagnant offensive periods, not only this year, but especially in the postseason before. Uh, when does this conversation about LaFleur kind of start, or has it already begun in terms of how legit is this guy? He's a bust. I think he's a bust. I mean, you can't get home playoff games and, 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 and be touchdown favorites and not win. What have they done? They're just wasting the back half of Rodgers' career again here. You can, people can argue we wasted the middle half of it. We waste, They've done. Who cares if you win 13 games? They, they can't, can't even get back to the Super Bowl. I'm disappointed in him. I, 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 you know, so what, 13, 13, 13 wins. That's not the bar in, in Green Bay. The bar is Super Bowls and titles, right? That's title town, as they called it, for, for football. So I uh, I don't know. They're, they're teams like that, the Packers, the Steelers, very loyal uh, to the coaches. So I don't think his job is in jeopardy at all. But I've never been as impressed with him as others might have been. Agreed. I'm with you there, Mike. All right, let's talk that aforementioned Daniel Jones-led team. The Giants taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore open six in this spot. Uh, total open 43 and a half. I had this total actually opening when I was setting my lines at like 45. And that's where it's creeped up to now. So 45 is a consensus total. Spread is anywhere five and a half to six in favor of Baltimore. I do have a play in this game, but I want to get your thoughts on this spot first, Mike. What do you think uh, with New York hosting Baltimore? Well, your play isn't the total because the number is where you thought it would be. Uh, hmm, interesting. I can't believe you're going to lay five and a half with the Ravens. So I would think that your play is <laughs> It's the Giants here, if anything. I think uh, it's a decent litmus test for how good are the Giants here. Can they can they can they can they put it together again and beat another talented team? I agree with you here. The early number I leaned over a lot because I think both teams are going to score. I think Saquon gives the Ravens trouble, uh, and, and how they're going to scheme uh, to stop Saquon. Look, Daniel Jones took what the Packers gave him last week. Give him credit for that. And you know he's always a threat with his legs. Uh, so I still lean a little bit over the 45. I think the number's a tad bit high with the Ravens here. I would put this game closer to a field goal, but no play for me. So I agree with you in terms of the spread. I opened up Baltimore. My number was like Baltimore minus four. Uh, because even though the Ravens should be the better team, again, we've seen them be sloppy enough to let other teams back in the game. And I think that could happen here with the Giants. So my bad, it, it's not directly a total per se. It's a team total here, and it's a first-half team total, Mike. So I'm like going layer down to layer down. Uh, so since I think it is going to be on the higher scoring side and the number got there, like you said, I, I didn't think it was worth a play. And I'm looking at the Ravens' first half team total over. So the best number out here in Illinois. So a couple books had 12 and a half. The better juice on the over was minus a buck 28. And I thought that was worth laying over 12 and a half first half points with Baltimore. This is a team that's averaging 16.4 first half points per game, which is second in the NFL. They've gone over it in three out of five games, Mike. 
Um, and they've been scoring a lot more in the first half than the second half. Second half, they're scoring just 11 second half points per game. You've seen that be apparent in so many situations, hence why they've lost to two games and, you know, almost lost to the Bengals. You look at the Giants, and defensively, they're allowing 11 first half points per game, which is 13, so not bad. The defense has been all right. Only two out of five opponents have gone over 12 and a half first points per game against the Giants, Mike, but it was the Packers and the Titans, right? You got to look at the other teams they've played, the Bears, the Cowboys, and the Panthers, and it was a Cowboys team led by Cooper Rush, so not the most prolific offenses in the NFL, so to speak. Coming back from London, I think this is going to be a wake-up call defensively for this Giants team. It may be a wake-up call for them overall to where the Ravens just go after they got a much-needed win this past Sunday and they keep the rhythm going against a Giants team that I still am not completely sold on. I'm giving them all the props. Look, Daniel Jones has been a lot better than I thought. Dable has been great for that team and Saquon's looking awesome. But I still just don't think they're complete yet and I think the Ravens are going to give them that snap back to reality and I think it could happen right out of the gates right the Giants are feeling good about their upset win still you know a hard week for them coming internationally and I just think even if, and even if the Giants do keep it close so be it could be a higher scoring game but I just think the Ravens have a nice offensive rhythm right out of the gates and they'll be able to expose the Giants defense and I liked getting under 13 right because you could get a touchdown two field goals and get over it with Baltimore and when you have a great kicker and Justin Tucker so I bet Baltimore over 12 and a half at minus 128 for the first half Mike. I'm a little concerned of the Ravens playing on turf. If this is a team that plays on grass a lot, you know, the Bengals have that field turf, but this is bad turf at MetLife. Everybody complains about this turf. And so I would just caution getting used to that turf for a team that's a grass team. Uh, I would hesitate on the first half as they, as they have to get their, their bearing on a different surface. Interesting. Okay. Well, let me ask you another perspective in this game. Then, do you think you'd maybe, or even if you don't like it, do you think it's going to be a popular play for people to tease down the Ravens in the spot, or is kind of the sentiment shifting to where people aren't automatically fading the Giants at this point? I think I don't know, but that's five and a half, so not a tease number really. The, either way, because it doesn't give you the advantageous numbers, so uh, maybe they're. There's some Ravens money line players out there in the money line parlay market. It'll be interesting yeah. to see where this game ranks in the betting because you've got this these tremendously sexy matchups like Bills Chiefs and Cowboys Eagles on Sunday, as well as possibly four playoff games. So the handle on these games will be interesting to see. All right, Mike, let's talk Minnesota and Miami next. Down in South Beach, the Dolphins catching 3-3. Three to three in a, Well, now it's actually consensus 3, but every shop is really making you lay about minus 115 to minus 120 in terms of the juice. Totals at 45.5, open 46.5, so it's dropped down. Um, two is not going to play, and it looks like Teddy Bridgewater will not be as well. So the Skylar Thompson experience happening once again. Look, for the situation that he was put in, Mike, he didn't look awful. But a lot of times, I mean, the defense isn't ready for him, and he could kind of make some magic happen against a sloppy uh, Jets team, so to speak. And then he kind of came back to reality himself in the second half. 
but I don't know. You would think this number would have moved off a three for Minnesota if that was kind of the thought process out of some of these sharper better. So I made Minnesota minus three and a half. I put the total a little higher, but now with Thompson officially the quarterback, I don't want anything to do with the total. Again, it, it seems like Minnesota should be able to handle covering three. But like you say, Kirk Cousins, he has been known to kind of disappear like he did in the second half against the Bears, Mike. So I don't know. It's like, it's kind of a tough, rough spot here for him. Give me the Vikings. I've, oh, okay. I've never Let's been. Let's go. By the way, it's three fi minus 15 cents at Circa right now. Uh, listen, I'm not a Skylar Thompson fan. I didn't like him at Kansas State. I don't, I don't know why he's in the NFL, seriously. I didn't think he was a good Big 12 quarterback hmm. in a league that has, you know, wide open offensive play. Uh, just like those kids at Nebraska, those Martinez's, I never thought much of them. I don't even know that he's an upgraded Kansas State this year. The Martinez for Thompson move, right? That they got. To but he's crushing it, Mike. <laughs> oh, um, I think the Vikings are just too well-rounded of a team, and and despite my disdain for Kirk Cousins, uh, I think the Dolphins are going to be pressed, hard pressed to score a lot here, even though they're at home with Skylar Thompson. I. I lean under the 45 and a half as well uh, in, in this total. I think the Vikings are going to run the football. I think they'll run the football effectively. Uh, and I think this game creeps up. I I know it's a road game, but I it's hard for me to believe this game doesn't get to three and a half. And then we'll see how much buyback we get with the Dolphins. But there's my first play here, Vikings minus three. How about it, Mike? Trust and Kirk Cousins. I love it. You may just have to, uh, you may just be convincing me to get on it now because I'm kind of thinking I'm missing something here. And you're uh, anti-Kirk, but now you're putting stock in him. It's giving me a little hope for him here. So uh, that may be one I'll add to I the docket, but I like it. Let's keep it trucking along. Atlanta, San Francisco next in line. You cashed in with San Francisco as one of your teaser legs last week. They're in a similar spot here. Uh, except, well, they were laying about six, six and a half last week. They opened six and a half in this spot at Atlanta, but now you see them consensus minus five in the hook on the road. Total open 43. Now it's gone up to 44 and a half. We know Atlanta's capable of scoring, but you are going up against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the National Football League in the San Francisco 49ers. You going back to the well and putting some stock in Shanahan and Garoppolo, or uh, is this kind of a... Uh, a tough spot because Atlanta has been a really tough out this season. I think this number is like right. It should be right around five. So I can't find a play on this game. Uh, San Francisco back-to-back -back weeks on the road. You know, they, we've seen them do it in, in past years where they stay east. Uh, they did it to open the season, I think, against Tampa Bay and against Cincinnati a couple years ago when they went to, they went to the Super Bowl. So uh, Shanahan seems to have a game plan for that, but it's a pass for me here. All right, let's talk Los Angeles and Carolina next, Mike. The Rams desperately needing a uh, layup here, and they may get it against this awful, awful Panthers team led by Baker Mayfield, but maybe they get uh, a little bit of revival after they fired their coach, Matt Rule. Mike, you've been saying it for quite some time. The transition from college to the NFL ain't as easy and seamless as a lot of these owners and GMs are pegging it to be. And, you know, a good case in point right there with Matt Rule. Now, it's not that he was necessarily set up for success, but you still had some weapons there offensively. You thought they could have been a little bit better. And even for a team that was supposedly ha supposed to have like a, one of the top defenses to at least help in some regard, the defense has not been great either. 
but they are going against one of the worst offenses statistically right now, the Los Angeles Rams. So, Mike, this one opened nine in a hook, and we have seen the Rams get a little bit of love, anywhere from 10 to 10 in the hook. Total now at 42. I and I'll talk about this a little bit more in prop watch, but it feels like you know a guy like Cam Akers could finally have a big game in this spot if the Rams get up to a bigger lead. I don't want anything to do with Los Angeles. There's no way in hell I'm laying double digits with this team. Conversely, there's nothing I'd want to do with Carolina. So uh, this one's going to be a complete stay away for myself unless there's a prop that uh, seems pretty appealing. Again, we're punished by having the Panthers as one of three games in the one o'clock window, three, three thirty your time. I don't want anything to do with it. Jeez, the Rams. I love the game under against Dallas. I thought I was dead in the water after the first quarter. And, and yet they shut out the Rams in the second half. I don't like either of these two teams. They're both played worse than what I thought they were to start the year. Uh, it's a pass for me. But yeah, it's, it, it just doesn't happen. Jimmy Johnson's the only guy that really did it successfully. Was able to be dominant at Miami and then build that Cowboys team. You know, Urban Meyer, what a joke that was. And you can't argue anybody's been, other than Saban, a more successful college coach in our generation. Uh, so it's tough. I think Rule ultimately sticking with Baker uh, was his demise. When you're not getting any worse quarterback play from a starting one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the league to kick the year off than, than Baker Mayfield. It's interesting to see how many people have the Rams left in Survivor if they're going to use them this week because they may not yeah. be much of an attractive team to lose. I want to say one thing here, Danny. I've heard a lot of people this week giving out Rams to miss the playoffs at plus 105. And I've reached out to them and said, so you're all over Carolina this week. And they, and they said, what do you mean? I said, well, why would you bet them now when they're going right. to win and go to 3-3 three and three and you'll get a plus 130, 140, 150 price after the game on Sunday? A lot of this betting is about waiting when you make your bets in these future markets. A hundred percent, Mike. And, and that's really just a good lesson, not just for the Rams, but of course with any team. Look to see what the schedule is. Envision what's going to happen in those games, and then you'll get an idea of how these markets are going to alter, and then when you can jump in for the best price. Because after this game, we're assuming they're going to be Carolina, then they got a really tough matchup against Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, who already have beaten them this season. Uh, then you have to go on the road against the Buccaneers. You get the Cardinals at home, which could be winnable. But the next two games are probably going to be, they're going to be underdogs in those spots. So uh, again, yeah, get it after this game. And then it's going to go back to a worse number. So yeah, wait for it. And I don't hate the idea of betting that either because the Rams clearly have shown they're fairly one-dimensional offensively. And that's get the ball to Cooper Cup and hope he can create a miracle because it's been terrible for this Rams offense. Um, <laughs> I got to ask, hey, Mike, what, what were your thoughts on Allen Robinson coming into this season with him going to the Rams? And uh, what have you made of that whole situation? As, you know, a little bit of a, a bitter Bears fan, I'm uh, curious to uh, see what you think about that situation. Well, I thought Allen, I was high on Allen Robinson. You know, I, I, I thought that was uh, a tough move for the Bears, but uh, I, I still, I'm not really understanding... McVay and I think he was he's a he's a good coach and a good game manager what they're really doing here because they start out the year and, and against the Bills they just you know you had the prop that was dead they only rushed uh what acres three times or whatever in that game and then <laughs> yeah. got, or he didn't even give them the ball so I, I don't right and, and I and with Stafford now going back to his Detroit form they brought him out there they upgraded a quarterback they won their Super Bowl and now where do you go right so uh it's a tough spot to be in because they're not balanced. 
No, they're really not. And and that's what McVeigh is really stressed this past week. And that's why I think, especially considering they're going up against a weak opponent, that Cam Akers might finally have that breakout game, whether you look over his rushing yards or rushing attempts. But again, I'll dive into that a little bit deeper on Prop Watch, also available here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast feed. So be on the lookout for that. But yeah, you mentioned Survivor. If I was still in it, I would take the Rams here. And I'm sure it'll be a very popular play. Double-digit favorite against the Panthers team that's in shambles, and you probably don't want to use the Rams the remainder uh, the remainder of the season. So uh, that would be my pick, and I'm sure it'll be the biggest pick for Circus Survivor. But we'll get into that a little bit later because I know you'll have an update in that uh, contest, Mike. But let's talk about this NFC West showdown with Seattle and Arizona. Sneaky good game I feel like we're going to have here because points are probably going to be flying Open 47, now up to 50 in the hook. Some books are touching 51. Arizona open two and a half, and that's where they still remain. I feel like the smart play would be to tease up Seattle, but I still just don't really want to have to trust the Seahawks because as good as Geno Smith has been and competitive as the Seahawks have surprisingly been, it wouldn't shock me for them to have a game like we expected them to more consistently have coming into this season and just get blown out because the Cardinals do have a good enough offense to be capable of that. But again, then the other side of the coin is Cliff Kingsbury and just his Cardinals team struggling out of the gates in general. So um, I really hear both sides here. I think Seattle does have some value, but if there's a spot where the Cardinals got to play well and get a win, this absolutely has to be it. But because I'm kind of going back and forth on both sides here, Mike, uh, the over would probably be my favorite play at 50 and a half. You got an Arizona offense that should be able to take advantage of, like you mentioned earlier, a terrible Seahawks defense where everybody seems to go off against them. They're allowing the most yards per play. I think it's over six and a half. And Arizona's defense isn't anything special. I mean, they can get a stop here and there, but Geno Smith has proven that he can move the ball downfield. You still got weapons of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, so we know they have receivers downfield now that we understand Geno can actually be a competent quarterback. So I feel like that would be my top play here, Mike. I haven't done anything, but that would be the area I would be reaching for. But the Cardinals don't score in the first half. So you put yourself yeah. behind eight, eight ball there. Uh, I agree with you, but I almost think that going like under 25 and a half or 26 in a first half is a better play because they're so slow out of the gates, which again speaks to this idiot Kingsbury, who, who has his quarterback spike the ball on third and one and force a field goal with 22 seconds to go in the game. He can't look. Doesn't he know there's orange first down sticks, the yard markers? He can't see. He slid a yard before the first down. That rule changed like seven years ago. I mean, I don't get it. This guy is a, is a buffoon, a total buffoon. I can't touch the game because I thought about the Seahawks as a teaser leg to tease them up to yeah. the nine, right? Or, or I, I'd like to get above the eight because with the two-point conversions to eight and a half or to nine, um, I thought about it because, you know, I think, it, I think at the end of the day, you're looking at another one one of these games with the, that's like 31-28 type of a game uh, with the Seahawks. But I'm probably just going to take a pass. Remember, this game might kick at 2.30, 4.30 your time. If Seattle can force a game for the Mariners against the Astros, they're moving this back, and they'll have the game 1 o'clock your time, the baseball game, so that Seattle sports fans aren't conflicted about having to choose one game over the other. All right, Mike, so next, now let's get into the big one for the mid-afternoon slate, Kansas City and Buffalo. So this one opened pick'em 
Total open 53 and a half, and naturally the over has gotten some love. Consensus for the total, Mike, we see at 54. But how about the spread? So again, open pick, Buffalo right now is laying two and a half consensus-wise. But it pretty much touched three consensus-wise for a majority of the week. And there still are a couple threes out there. The juice, if you want to lay it with Buffalo, is even money. And naturally, once it hit three, you assumed it would kind of get knocked back down with a lot of money coming in on the Chiefs. I actually opened Kansas City up here as a one-point favorite, Mike. I mean, Buffalo has been great. They were pegged as a short shot coming into this season, and I agreed with that. But Buffalo's really turned out to be a one-dimensional team, and not that they haven't already been, but the run offense is virtually non-existent for Buffalo. It's where all of the pressure, everything, and even then some has to go on Josh Allen. And the Chiefs are very similar, don't get me wrong, but at least CEH can get some kind of momentum going on the ground attack. The offensive line has gotten an improvement in their run offense, and look, uh, you're getting the home spot here for Kansas City. They didn't look pretty against the Raiders, but people argue that that could have been a look-ahead spot. I know seldom does that happen in the NFL, but if there was one to where that would be the case, it certainly could have been last week. And, you know, I was saying on Twitter and just talking with some friends, I mean, I felt like Kansas City in the second half was one of the better bets he could have looked toward betting against the Raiders based on the egregious call by the ref, getting some momentum from the crowd just being ticked off and the field goal at the end. And, well, then you saw what the Chiefs were capable of in that second half. And now I believe they'll be ready to go out of the gates. And also, Kansas City's defense is fairly improved again I know the Raiders game wasn't the best but the run defense hasn't been terrible and they can step up when they need to so uh, inevitably it's going to be a higher scoring game but if you're giving me points with Kansas City Mike if I can still get the three I feel like that's the correct side here with the Chiefs or now that it's at two in the hook if you want to pair them in a teaser teasing them up to eight and a half seems like a viable option as well I think if you like the Chiefs to win the game you bet them in the future markets because if they win this game and they have the, the tiebreaker in the AFC to get the championship game in Kansas City, I think they shrink a lot this week. I don't know if there's that much movement if Buffalo wins the game. We're still at three. Yesterday we were at three minus 15. Today we're at three uh, plus three minus 120. Hasn't moved back yet. It's pretty, pretty interesting. I think you should let the viewers know how they can bet into your opening lines. I would have liked to get some Buffalo plus one. Uh, definitely there, Danny. You know, I'm an under player at heart. I like this game over. Uh, to your point, with all the passing Buffalo does, the clock doesn't, you know, there's a lot of clock stoppages along the way because there's very few times where you get to get 30 seconds to just run off a, a clock during the game. Um, so I lean over 54. Uh, if you had, I, I had to take a, a, a side, I would take the three with the Chiefs. I would lay the two and a half with the Bills. I'm more interested to see how the game plays out and how Kansas City's defense slows down or doesn't slow down Josh Allen in the passing attack. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, Josh Allen is pretty much invincible at this point. And it's not just because of what we saw against the Steelers last week. It's what we've seen them be capable of doing even before that. But Buffalo has had their situations where they've been a little bit sloppy, Mike. So that's why I just feel like We've seen the best of the Chiefs and what they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, who we regard as probably a top three defense in the NFL, the next two uh, being the Bills and then being the San Francisco 49ers. And now 
after like the slow start that Kansas City had with the Raiders, I can't envision that happening in this spot because they're going to be geared up and ready to go and not thinking about anything else. Like, and how often are you going to get Kansas City in this home underdog spot, even if it is against this Buffalo team that you could make the case, hey, it's a revenge spot for them based on what happened in the postseason. I don't know if I'm going to buy into that too much with two teams who are very, very much alike. I mean, this game means as much to Kansas City as it does to Buffalo. So, yeah, if the threes are still available, Mike, I may end up actually pulling the trigger on that. I, I think Kansas City catching the three, it's like one of those things you got to take advantage of it when it comes along because not very often is it going to happen. Yeah, it should be an interesting game and probably uh, the game of the year so far to this point. No doubt. All right, Mike. Uh, Sunday night football last game. We will preview NFC East showdown. Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. Can they keep the momentum going and the win streak going on the road against Philly? Eagles minus five in the hook is where they opened. Now we're seeing this one at about six in the hook. Total at 45 and a half at the opener. That has dipped down to 42. Um, Mike, I mean, talk about teasers. Teasing down Philly, I'm sure will be a popular play. And yeah, let's be honest, this is probably going to be the end of the success of Cooper Rush in terms of getting in the W column. But I don't know if I'm that eager to lay, even though it's under a touchdown, I don't know if I'm that eager to lay it with Philly because it is a divisional game and the Cowboys have found at least a decent recipe offensively to not completely stay out of it. And more importantly, I mean, the defense for Dallas is just absurdly good right now. Micah Parsons is probably the top guy in the league right now for defensive player of the year. If not, he should be. And yeah, I mean, Philly's offense, they did slow down a little bit against Arizona. So there is uh, there is some chance that Dallas could slow them down with the familiarity. I don't see it happening in terms of overcoming them fully, but in terms of covering that, perhaps. So maybe I would only tease down Philly if I had to do something. Well, that's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use the Eagles down to a pick. In my teaser leg here, uh, interesting, like I said, to see if how many will use them in Survivor if you're not using the Rams or if you've already used the Rams. The one thing I think that works against Dallas here is that obviously the pass rush has been their best weapon. Uh, and who have they played so far this year? Pretty immobile, the quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, you've had Brady. You've had Burrow. They harassed Burrow all day long. I mean, Carson Wentz. Come on with Carson Wentz. He's, he might be the most immobile of all quarterbacks. Stafford, at this point, you know, more statuesque than anything. I think you got a guy in Hurts that, that feels comfortable running, not only out of running formation, but comfortable if he gets in the pocket and they start putting pressure on him. One, moving to give himself time, or two, moving to pick up yardage here. So they're going to have to be cognizant. Now, Daniel Jones... And the Giants were effective because he did scramble. And, you know, when they rushed him wide, he was able to go up the middle. And what he rushed for 71-some yards, yeah. I believe, in that game on Monday night against Dallas. So I favor the Eagles here. Uh, and I, 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 But like you say, it's a divisional game. It's a big game, a huge game. Hated teams, hated rivals. It's tough to lay that many points. We, we were at 5, 5, 5, 5. And then all of a sudden, we went from 5 to 6.5 really over a day. Uh, so wow. pretty interesting here. So the Eagles will be part of my teaser. And in terms of what I'm thinking teaser wise, Mike, like I said, I really didn't like that much, it, but I do like teasing down the Eagles. I think I'd follow you in that spot. And I talked about taking three with Kansas city. So at that point, maybe you'd look to tease them up from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. And you could make that a teaser because 
I mean, realistically, when the Bills and Chiefs are playing, I, I can't recall if we've seen it extend more than a touchdown type of game in Kansas City. I wonder when the last time they've lost by what was it more than double digits or not covering a teaser leg because they, they they only lost by like what five or six or whatever weird score it was against the Colts so man that may be a teaser I end up playing I don't know so uh why don't you tell us so while I kind of think here uh your official teaser now that we've gone through everything and aside from your official teaser or teasers some other ones you would potentially consider Okay, I'm going to take the Eagles, a six-and-a-half-point teaser, Danny. The Eagles down to a pick, and the Jaguars up to eight-and-a-half. That's my teaser play. I would consider also taking the Buccaneers down to whatever, you know, two, one-and-a-half, one, whatever, if you were throwing that in with what made sense. That's really the only three teaser legs I would play. All right. Uh, the one I may add, haven't done it yet. Again, make sure you're checking out vsin.com slash subscribe on our best bets log page. Become a pro subscriber. You get access to everyone's picks, much analysis, betting tools to help you become the best handicapper you can be, and much more. Uh, that's where you can find it if I add it. But I am contemplating teasing up the Chiefs and teasing down the Eagles, or I may just end up going with taking the three with Kansas City. So I'm still kind of pondering it in my head but uh as we get to our best bets i might as well just list mine out because i got the one right now and that's the ravens first half team total over 12 and a half points at minus 128 the other bets that i've been considering mike like i was saying the under in the pittsburgh tampa bay game you're seeing it now pop up more widely to 44 and a half i kind of lean towards cincinnati against the saints after talking with you, I may find myself laying two in the hook with Cleveland against the Patriots. That bet seems like a pretty good one. Uh, I know you liked Minnesota. I might end up getting there, but we'll see. I'm not as confident with that one. And then, like I said, Kansas City taking the points. But officially right now, the Ravens first half team total over 12 and a half. Again, I'll have more with prop watch. And if I add any more in the list, we'll be sure to add it in the best bets log page. But Mike, aside from your teaser you just listed, your official other plays look like what? Play, Danny. My official other play is the Vikings minus three. <laughs> I love it. I love when Mike is back in Kirk Cousins, baby. That's what we like to see. Um, by the way, just an update. So last week with all of my bets tallied, I went four and four. The record 17 and 23. Mike's still holding us down, baby. 10 and four overall last week, Mike win two and one so he's looking to continue that success and hopefully i can stop embarrassing myself and embarrassing mike here on the show and get <laughs> something going uh mike before we head out though we said we talk survivor so again i am out i went with jacksville you told me to stay away i should have listened i gotta know better than to ignore what you're saying to me if i were playing i would have done the rams it seems like you were kind of thinking the same thought process so uh, just to confirm your team you would play and then an update on how everything's looking over at Circa with the Survivor Contest. Yeah, I would play the Rams this week. I think they're the obvious choice. If you've already used them, I think people have to look at the Eagles, or maybe even the Buccaneers uh, on the road at Pittsburgh. We uh, jag Between the Jaguars and the Packers, it took out 500 people again, uh, almost. So we're down to 718. 718 wow. left after five weeks. It'll be very interesting. Starting to hear people make side bets on whether it gets through Christmas and that that four game window there with the <laughs> Christmas Day and the the Monday following. So we'll see. It, but it's got very interesting. Man, that it has. Yeah, I'm salty. I wish I was still in it. I, 
I wanted to take the Bucks last week. That would have been my pick if I didn't, of course, have to strategize with them down the line because there is another week I wanted to use them. And like we were saying, if there's a time to do Jacksonville, you thought that was going to be it. But I, if I would have known to, and this is my own fault, I didn't envision Jacksonville being the number one selected team, Mike. I told you to take the Saints, Danny. I said yep, the Seahawks aren't winning two games uh, on the road two weeks in a row. <laughs> That game would have made me, well, granted, I ended up doing it with Jacksonville, but I was going to say that game would have made me pull hair out of my head, but I was doing the same with Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, the Saints were a good pick. You're right. I uh, yeah, I think we did, like, another one with, like, the VEASAN staff, and I may have used the Saints. But, no, you're right. That, that was a great pick to use them in. So, uh, Mike carrying us along once again. Big shout-out to him for making time per usual. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Mike Palm Circa. As for myself, at Danny Burke 5 that's going to do it for another edition of Vsense Pro Football Betting Podcast. For more episodes like Prop Watch going over all the top props for NFL Week 6, make sure you check that out. The same spot you're listening to this podcast, folks. But until next time, take care and best of luck with all your wagers for this upcoming weekend.